I knew a young man of about 20 in a nearby village. This young man's village had been cruelly stricken by a series of avalanches which had killed a large number of people. One night, this young man was at his parents' when he heard an avalanche just next door to his house. He heard piercing screams, heart-rending screams. Save us, come save us, we are trapped beneath the avalanche. Leaping up, he rose from his bed and rushed downstairs to go to the rescue of these people. His mother had heard the screams and prevented him from leaving. She blocked the door saying, no, let's other go and help them, not always us. It's too dangerous outside. I don't want yet another death. But he, because he had been deeply affected by these screams, really wanted to go to the rescue of these people. He pushed his mother aside. He said to her, yes, I'm going. I can't let them die like this. He went out and then he himself on the path was struck by an avalanche and was killed. Three days after his death, he comes to visit me at night and he says to me, have three masses said for me, by this I will be delivered from purgatory. I went to inform his family and friends. They were astonished to know that after only three masses, he would be delivered from purgatory. His friends said to me, Oh, I wouldn't have liked to have been in his place in the moment of death if you had seen all the bad things he had done. But this young man said to me, You see, I had made an act of pure love in risking my life for these people. It's thanks to this that the Lord welcomed me so quickly into his heaven. Yes, charity covers a multitude of sins. The story of this young man shows us that charity, a single act of love given freely, had been sufficient to purify this young man from a dissolute life. And the Lord had made the most of this moment of love. Maria added to that story that this young man might never again have had the opportunity to offer such a great act of love and might have turned bad. The Lord, in his mercy, took him just at the moment when he appeared before him at his most beautiful, most pure, because of this act of love. The testimony we just heard is one of those reported by Maria Sima from Purgatory. But wait, let me tell you first how the whole story started. One day, I read with great interest a book about the souls in purgatory and it struck me so much because it related very recent testimonies and also it explained very well the church doctrine on the subject. It's a book by Maria Sima. Straight away I wrote to the publisher who told me that Maria Sima is still alive. 
quickly I contacted her and she agreed to meet me in order to answer my questions, with, which were actually many. I was delighted because each time I had the opportunity to speak or to preach on the poor souls, I noticed that there is an immense interest on the part of my listeners. Often they beg me to tell them more, pushing me further, asking me, tell us more, sister, tell us other things about these souls. And I see clearly that this fulfills a vital thirst. It fills a void. It answers a critical question, a fundamental question. What is waiting for us after death? It must be said, too, that these things are rarely taught anymore in parishes, in regular catechism, practically not taught anywhere at all. So there is a great emptiness, a great ignorance, even a certain anguish in the face of these realities. Therefore, this uh, sharing of mine will help us not only to get rid of this anguish once and for all with regard to purgatory, it will also enlighten us, enable us to understand that God's plan for us, for our destiny, is absolutely magnificent, splendid. We have in our hands an immense power on this earth to give happiness to the souls of our departed and to find that happiness for ourselves as well in our lives. Today, Maria Sima is over 80. She lives alone in her little house in Sontag, a very lovely village in Austria. And that is where I met her. Who is Maria Sima? A simple country woman who, since her childhood, has prayed a great deal for the souls in purgatory. When she was 25, she was unexpectedly favored with a very special charism in the church, very rare actually, the charism of being visited by the souls in purgatory. She's a fervent Catholic and she has a great humility. This struck me a lot. In spite of the extraordinary character of her charism, she lives in real poverty. For example, in her little room, we hardly had enough space to move around the chairs she had offered us. An extraordinary charism? Yes but which obviously has deep roots in the history of the church, for many are the saints, canonized or not, who have experienced this charism. I could mention, for example, St. Gertrude, St. Catherine of Genoa, who wrote much on the subject, Marianne of Jesus, St. Margaret Mary of Parelmonial, who had the vision of the Sacred Heart, the Holy Curie of Ars, Blessed Faustina of Poland, St. John Bosco, Blessed Mariam of Bethlehem, and so on. When we look closely at the teachings of these saints, we see that all of them say the same thing. And Maria Sima, for her part, only relives their beautiful testimony. This is why I did not hesitate to interview her, as she has the advantage for us of living in our times, and she's willing to make herself available. You can easily imagine that I swamped her with questions. I made the most of it. For the sake of brevity and clarity, I had to sum up some of Maria's testimonies. At other times, I give you her own words. Here and there, you will also find my personal comments and quotations from various saints. 
and now we are with Maria in her room. Hi, Maria. Hi, sister. Can you tell us how you were visited for the first time by a soul in purgatory? Yes. In 1940, one night, around three or four o'clock in the morning, I heard someone coming into my bedroom. This woke me up. I looked to see who on earth could have walked into my bedroom. Were you afraid? No, I was not at all fearful. So, that night, tell us. Well, I saw a complete stranger. He walked back and forth slowly. I said to him severely, how did you get in here? Go away. But he continued to walk impatiently around the bedroom as if he hadn't heard. So I asked him again, what are you doing? But as he still didn't answer, I jumped out of bed and tried to grab him, but I grasped only air. There was nothing there. So I went back to bed, but again I heard him pacing back and forth. I wondered how I could see this man, but I couldn't grab him. I rose again to hold on to him and stop him walking around. Again I grasped only emptiness. Puzzled, I went back to bed. He didn't come back, but I couldn't get back to sleep. The next day after Mass, I went to see my spiritual director and told him everything. He told me that if this should happen again, I shouldn't ask, who are you? But what do you want from me? The following night, the man returned, definitely the same man. I asked him, what do you want from me? He replied, have three Masses celebrated for me and I will be delivered. So I understood that it was a soul in purgatory. My spiritual father confirmed this. He also advised me never to turn away the poor souls, but to accept with generosity whatever they asked of me. And afterwards, the visit continued? Yes. For years, there were only three or four souls above all in November. Afterwards, there were more. Oh, good. And what do these souls ask of you? In most cases, they ask to have Masses celebrated and that one be present at these Masses. They ask to have the Rosary said and also that one makes the Stations of the Cross. At this point, the major question is raised. What exactly is purgatory? I would say that it's a marvelous invention of God. Let me give you an image. Suppose that one day a door opens and a splendid being appears, extremely beautiful, of a beauty that has never been seen on earth. You are fascinated, overwhelmed by this being of light and beauty, even more so that this being is madly in love with you. You have never dreamed of being loved so much. And the fire of love which burns in your heart impels you to throw yourself into his arms. But wait, you realize at this moment that you haven't washed for months and months, that you smell, your nose is running, your hair is greasy and matted, there are big dirty stains on your clothes. So you said to yourself, no, I just can't present myself in this state. First, I must go and wash. A good shower, then straight away I'll come back. 
But the love which has been born in your heart is so intense, so burning, so strong, that this delay for the shower is absolutely unbearable. And the pain of the absence, even if it only lasts for a couple of minutes, is an atrocious wound in the heart, proportional to the intensity of the revelation of the love. It is a love wound. Purgatory is exactly this. It's a delay imposed by our impurity, a delay before God's embrace, a wound of love which causes intense suffering, a waiting, if you like, a nostalgia for love. It is precisely this burning, this longing, which cleanses us of whatever is still impure in us. Purgatory is a place of desire, a mad desire for God, desire for this God whom we already know, for we have seen him, but with whom we are not yet united. Now I am going to ask Maria to clarify a fundamental point. Maria, do the souls in purgatory have nevertheless joy and hope in the midst of their suffering? Yes. No soul would want to come back from purgatory to the earth. They have knowledge which is infinitely beyond ours. They just could not decide to return to the darkness of the earth. Well, here we see the difference from the suffering that we know on earth. In purgatory, even if the pain of the soul is terrible, there is a certitude of living forever with God. It's an unshakable certitude. The joy is greater than the pain. There is nothing on earth which could make them want to live here again, where one is never sure of anything. Maria, can you tell us now if it's God who sends a soul into purgatory or if the soul itself decides to go there? It is the soul itself which wants to go to purgatory in order to be pure before going to heaven. Yes, the soul in purgatory adhere fully to God's will. They rejoice in the good, they desire our good, and they love very much. They love God and they love us too. They are perfectly united to the Spirit of God, the light of God. Maria, at the moment of death, does one see God in full light or in an obscure manner? In a manner still obscure, but all the same, in such brightness that this is enough to cause great longing. You're right. Actually, it's such a dazzling brightness compared with the darkness of the earth. And it's still nothing compared with the full light the soul will know when it arrives in heaven. Here we can refer to near-death experiences. The soul is so drawn by this light that it is agony for it to return to earth in its body after this experience. Maria, can you tell us what the role of Our Lady is with the souls in purgatory? She comes often to console them and to tell them they have done many good things. She encourages them. Oh, praise God, beautiful. Are there any days in particular on which she delivers them? Yes, above all Christmas Day, All Saints Day, Good Friday, the Feast of the Assumption and the Ascension of Jesus. Maria, why does one go to purgatory? 
What are the sins which most lead to purgatory? Sins against charity, against the love of one's neighbor, hardness of heart, hostility, slandering, calumny, all these things. Saying wicked things and calumny are among the worst blemishes which require a long purification, I guess. Yes. Here Maria gives us a very striking example, which I would like to share with you. She had been asked to find out if a woman and a man were in purgatory. To the great astonishment of those who had asked, the woman was already in heaven and the man was in purgatory. In fact, this woman had died while undergoing an abortion, whereas the man often went to church and apparently led a worthy, devout life. So Maria searched for more information, thinking she had been mistaken. But no, it was true. They had died at practically the same moment, but the woman had experienced deep repentance and was very humble, whereas the man criticized everyone. He was always complaining and saying bad things about others. This is why his purgatory lasted so long. And Maria concluded, We must not judge on appearances. Other sins against charity are our rejection of certain people we do not like, our refusals to make peace, our refusals to forgive, and all the bitterness we store inside. Maria also illustrated this point with another example, which gave us food for thought. It's the story of a woman she knew very well. This lady died and was in purgatory. But in the most terrible purgatory, with the most atrocious sufferings. And when she came to see Maria, she explained why. She had had a female friend. Between them arose a great enmity, caused by herself. She had maintained this enmity for years and years, even though her friend had many times asked for peace, for reconciliation. But each time she refused. When she fell gravely ill, she continued to close her heart, to refuse the reconciliation offered by her friend, right up to her deathbed. I believe that this example has great significance concerning rancor which is maintained. And our words too can be destructive. We can never emphasize enough how much a critical or bitter word can truly kill but also on the contrary, how much a word can heal. Maria, please tell us, who are those who have the greatest chance of going straight to heaven? Those who have a good heart towards everyone. Love covers a multitude of sins. Well, yes, St. Paul himself tells us this. And what are the means which we can take on earth to avoid purgatory and go straight to heaven? We must do a great deal for the souls in purgatory, for they help us in their turn. We must have much humility. This is the greatest weapon against evil, against the evil one. Humility drives evil away. It sure does. Well, here I cannot resist telling you a very lovely testimony of Father Berlioux concerning the help offered by these souls to those who relieve them by their prayer and suffrages. 
he tells the story of a person particularly devoted to the poor souls who had consecrated her life to their relief. At the hour of her death, she was attacked with fury by the devil, who saw her at the point of escaping from him. It seemed that the entire abbess was united against her, surrounding her with its infernal troops. The dying woman struggled incredibly for some time, when suddenly she saw, entering her apartment, a crowd of unknown people of dazzling beauty who put the devil to flight and, approaching her bed, spoke to her with the most heavenly encouragement and consolations. With her last breath, in great joy, she cried, Who are you? Who are you, please? You who do so much good to me. The benevolent visitors replied, We are inhabitants of heaven, whom your help has led to beatitude. And we, in our turn, come in gratitude to help you cross the threshold of eternity and rescue you from this place of anguish to bring you into the joy of the holy city. At these words, a smile lit up the face of the dying woman, her eyes closed, and she fell asleep in the peace of the Lord. Her soul, pure as a dove, presented to the Lord of Lords, found as many protectors and advocates as souls she had delivered, and, recognized worthy of glory, she enters in triumph among the applause and blessing of all those she had rescued from purgatory. May we one day have the same happiness. The souls delivered by our prayer are extremely grateful. They help us in their turn in our lives. It's most perceptible. I strongly recommend that you experience this yourself. They do help us. They know our needs and they obtain many graces for us. Maria, I'm thinking of the good thief who was next to Jesus on the cross. I really would like to know what he did so that Jesus would promise him that this very day he would be in the kingdom with him. He humbly accepted his suffering, saying that it was justice, and he encouraged the other thief to accept his too. He had the fear of God, which means humility. Another beautiful example of this is related by Maria Sima, and it shows how a good action makes up for a whole life of sin. If you remember the testimony I read in the beginning of this tape, of this young man who died under the avalanche. It is very important at the hour of death to abandon ourselves to God's will. Maria told me of the case of a mother of four children who was about to die. Instead of rebelling and worrying, she said to the Lord, I accept death as long as it is your will, and I put my life in your hands. I entrust my sons to you, and I know that you will take care of them. Maria said that because of her immense trust in God, this woman went straight to heaven and avoided purgatory. Therefore, we really can say that love, humility, and abandonment to God are the three golden keys to going directly to heaven. Maria, 
Can you tell us what are the most effective means to help deliver the souls from purgatory? The most efficient means is the Mass. Oh, I see. Why the Mass? Because it is Christ who offers himself out of love for us. It is the offering of Christ himself to God, the most beautiful offering. The priest is God's representative, but it is God himself who offers himself and sacrifices himself for us. The efficacy of the Mass for the diseased is even greater for those who attached great value to the Mass during their lives. If they attended Mass and prayed with all their hearts, if they went to Mass on weekdays, according to their time available, they draw great profit from Masses celebrated for them. Here, too, one harvests what one has sown. This is true, Maria. And a soul in purgatory sees very clearly on the day of his funeral if we really pray for him or if we have simply made an act of presence to show we were there. The poor souls also say that tears are no good to them, only prayer. Often they complain that people go to a funeral without addressing a single prayer to God while shedding many tears. This is useless. And concerning the Mass, here is a beautiful example given by the cure of Ars, the French saint, to his parishioners. He told them this. Children, a good priest had the unhappiness to lose a friend that he cherished greatly, and so he prayed very much for the repose of his soul. One day God made known to him that his friend was in purgatory, and he suffered greatly. The holy priest believed that he could do no better than to offer the holy sacrifice of the Mass for his dear friend who had died. At the moment of the consecration, he took the host between his fingers and said, Holy, eternal Father, let us make an exchange. You hold the soul of my friend who is in purgatory, and I hold the body of your son in my hands. Well, good and merciful Father, deliver my friend, and I offer your son with all the merits of his death and passion. The request was answered. In fact, at the moment of the elevation, he saw the soul of his friend shining in glory, rising to heaven. God had accepted the deal. My children, when we want to deliver from purgatory a soul dear to us, let us do the same. Let us offer to God through the holy sacrifice his beloved son with all the merits of his death and passion. He will not be able to refuse us anything. Oh, that's a great story. There is another means very powerful to help the poor souls. The offering of our sufferings, our penance, such as fasting, renunciations, and so on. And of course, involuntary suffering like illness or mourning. Maria, you've been invited many times to suffer for the poor souls in order to deliver them. Can you tell us what you have experienced and undergone during these times? The first time, a soul asked me if I wouldn't mind suffering for three hours in my body for her and that afterwards I could resume working. I said to myself, if it will all be over after three hours, I could accept it. 
during these three hours, I had the impression that they lasted three days. It was so painful. But at the end, I looked at my watch and I saw that it had only lasted three hours. The soul told me that by accepting that suffering with love for three hours, I had saved her 20 years of purgatory. Yes, but why did you suffer for only three hours to avoid 20 years of purgatory? What did your sufferings have that were worth more? It is because suffering on earth does not have the same value. On earth, when we suffer, we can grow in love, we can gain merits, which is not the case with the suffering in purgatory. In purgatory, the sufferings serve only to purify us from sin. On earth, we have all the graces, we, we have the freedom to choose. Well, all this is so encouraging because it gives an extraordinary meaning to our sufferings. The sufferings which is offered, voluntary or involuntary, even the smallest sacrifices we can make, suffering of sickness, mourning, disappointments, if we live them with patience, if we welcome them in humility, these sufferings can have an inconceivable power to help souls. The best thing to do, Maria tells us, is to unite our sufferings to those of Jesus by placing them in the hands of Mary. She's the one who knows best how to use them, since often we ourselves do not know the most urgent needs around us. All this, of course, Mary will give back to us at the hour of our death. You see, this suffering offered will be our most precious treasures in the other world. We must remind each other of this and encourage each other when we suffer. Now, another very effective means, Maria tells us, is the stations of the cross. Because by contemplating the sufferings of the Lord, we begin little by little to hate sin and to desire salvation for all people. And this inclination of the heart brings great relief to the souls in purgatory. The Stations of the Cross also moves us to repentance. We start repenting when faced with sin. Another thing very helpful to the souls in purgatory is to pray the Rosary, all 15 mysteries, for the sake of the deceased. Through the Rosary, many souls are delivered from purgatory each year. It must be said here as well that it is the Mother of God herself who comes to purgatory to deliver the souls. This is very beautiful because the souls in purgatory call Our Lady the Mother of Mercy. The souls also tell Maria that indulgences have a value that we cannot calculate for their deliverance. It is sometimes cruel of us not to make use of this treasure that the Church proposes for the profit of souls. The subject of indulgences would be too long to explain here, but I can refer you to the marvelous text written by Pope Paul VI in 1968 on this. Therefore, we can say that the great means of helping the souls in purgatory is prayer, prayer in general. All kinds of prayer. Well, here I would like to give you the testimony of Herman Cohen. He is a, a Jewish artist 
who converted to Catholicism in 1864 and greatly venerated the Eucharist. He left the world, he entered a very austere religious order, and he frequently adored the Blessed Sacrament for which he had a great veneration. During his adoration, he would beg the Lord to convert his mother, whom he loved so much. Well, his mother died without having been converted. So Herman, sick with sorrow, prostrated himself before the Blessed Sacrament and in deep grief praying. Lord, I owe you everything, it is true. But what have I refused you? My youth, my hopes in the world, my well-being, the joys of a family, a rest, all sacrificed as soon as you called me. And you, Lord, eternal goodness, who promised to give back a hundredfold, you have refused me the soul of my mother. My God, I succumb to this martyrdom. I will stop my complaints. He cried his poor heart out. Suddenly, a mysterious voice struck his ear. Man of little faith, your mother is saved. Know that prayer is all-powerful in my presence. I gathered all those you had addressed to me for your mother, and my providence took account of her in her last hour. At the moment she expired, I came to her. She saw me and cried, My Lord and my God. Have courage. Your mother has avoided damnation, and fervent supplication will soon deliver her soul from the bonds of purgatory. And we know that Father Hermann Cohen soon afterwards learned through a second apparition that his mother had risen to heaven. I recommend strongly as well the prayers of St. Bridget, which are most recommended for the poor souls too. Let me add something important. The souls in purgatory can no longer do anything for themselves. They are totally helpless. If the living do not pray for them, they are totally abandoned. Therefore, it's very important to realize the immense power, the incredible power that each one of us has in his hands to relieve these souls who suffer. Well, we wouldn't think twice about helping a child who has fallen in front of us from a tree and who had broken his bones. Of course, we would do everything for him and immediately. So in the same way, we should take great care of these souls who expect everything from us, attentive to the slightest offering, hopeful for the least of our prayers, to relieve them from their pain. And it might be the finest way to practice charity. I think, for example, of the kindness of the Good Samaritan in the Gospel towards the man left half dead on the roadside, bleeding from his wounds. This man depended completely on the good heart of the passerby, Maria, why can one no longer gain merits in purgatory when one can on earth? Because at the moment of death, the time to earn merits is over. For as long as we are living on earth, we can repair the evil we have done. The souls in purgatory envy us this opportunity. Even the angels are jealous of us, for we have the possibility of growing for as long as we are on earth. But often, the suffering in our lives leads us to rebellion, 
and we have great difficulty in accepting and living it. How can we leave suffering so that it bears fruit? Sufferings are the greatest proof of the love of God. If we offer them well, they can win many souls. Oh, praise God! But how can we welcome suffering as a gift and not as a punishment as we often do? I mean, as a chastisement. We must give everything to Our Lady. She is the one who knows best who needs such and such an offering in order to be saved. On the subject of suffering, I would like to relate a testimony that Maria told of. It was in 1954, and a series of deadly avalanches had struck a village next to Maria's. Later, other avalanches had struck, but they had been stopped in a completely miraculous way before reaching the village, so that there was no damage. The soul explained that in this village had died a woman who had been ill and was not properly treated. She had suffered terribly for 30 years, and she had offered all her sufferings for the sake of her village. The souls explained to Maria that it was thanks to the offering of this woman that the village had been spared from the avalanches. She had borne her sufferings with patience. Maria tells us that if she had enjoyed good health, the village could not have been saved. She adds that sufferings borne with patience can save more souls than prayer. But prayer helps us to bear our suffering, we must say. We should not always consider suffering as a punishment. It can be accepted as atonement not only for ourselves, but above all for others. Christ was innocence itself, and he suffered the most for the atonement of our sins. Only in heaven will we know all that we have obtained by suffering with patience, in union with the sufferings of Christ. Maria, do the souls in purgatory rebel when faced with their suffering? No, they want to purify themselves. They understand that it is necessary. What is the role of contrition or repentance at the moment of death? Contrition is very important. The sins are forgiven in any case, but there remain the consequences of sins. If one wishes to receive a full indulgence at the moment of death, that means going straight to heaven, the soul has to be free from all attachment. True. Here I would like to share a very significant testimony given by Maria. She was asked to find out about a woman that her relatives believed to be lost because she had led an awful life. Well, she had had an accident, she fell from a train, and this accident killed her. A soul told Maria that this woman had been saved, saved from hell, because at the moment of death, She said to God, Lord, you are right to take my life, because in this way I will no longer be able to offend you. And this had erased all her sins. This example is highly significant, for it shows that a single moment of humility, of repentance at the moment of death, can save us. This doesn't mean that she did not go to purgatory, but she avoided hell 
which she perhaps deserved through her impiety. Maria, I would like to ask you, at the moment of death, is there a time in which the soul still has a chance to turn towards God, even after a sinful life, before entering into eternity? A time, if you like, between apparent death, medical death, and real death? Yes, yes. The Lord gives several minutes to each one in order to regret his sins and to decide, I accept or I do not accept to go see God. There, we see a film of our lives. Let me tell you, I knew a man who believed in the church teachings, but not in eternal life. One day he fell gravely ill and slid into a coma. He saw himself in a room with a board on which all his deeds were written, the good and the bad. Then the board disappeared as well as the walls of the room, and it was infinitely beautiful. Then he walked up from his coma and he decided to change his life. Maria, at the moment of death, does God reveal himself with the same intensity to all souls? Each one is given knowledge of his life and also the sufferings to come, but it's not the same for everyone. The intensity of the Lord's revelation depends on each one's life. Maria, does the devil have permission to attack us at the moment of death? Yes, but man also has the grace to resist him, to push him away. So. If man does not want anything to do with him, the devil can do nothing. That's good news, <laughs> Maria. When someone knows he's going to die soon, what is for him the best way to get prepared? To abandon himself totally to the Lord, offer all his sufferings, be completely happy in God. And what attitude should we have towards someone who is going to die? What is the best that we can do for him? Pray hard and prepare him for death. One must speak the truth. Speak the truth. Okay, got your point, Maria. Very important. What advice would you give to anyone who wants to become a saint here on earth? Be very humble. We must not be occupied with ourselves. Pride is evil's greatest trap. Maria, please tell us, can we ask the Lord to do our purgatory on earth in order not to have to do it after death? Yes. I knew a priest and a young woman who were both ill with tuberculosis in the hospital. The young woman said to the priest, let's ask the Lord to be able to suffer on earth as much as necessary in order to go straight to heaven. The priest replied that he himself didn't dare to ask for this. Nearby was a religious sister who had overheard the whole conversation. The young woman died first, the priest died later, and he appeared to the sister saying, if only I had had the same trust as this young woman, I too would have gone straight to heaven. Oh, too bad. Thank you, Maria, for this lovely testimony. At this point, Maria asked for a five-minute break since she had to go and feed her chicken. (laughs) 
But the minute she returned, we continue with our questions. Maria, are there different degrees in purgatory? Yes, there is a great difference of degree of moral suffering. Each soul has a unique suffering, particular to it. There are many degrees. Do the poor souls know what is going to happen in the world? Yes, not everything, but many things. Do these souls tell you sometimes what is going to happen? They simply say that there is something around the corner, but they don't say what. They only say what is necessary for people's conversion. Maria, are the sufferings in purgatory more painful than the most painful sufferings on earth? Yes, but in a symbolic way. It hurts more in the soul. I guess it's very difficult to describe. Does Jesus himself come to purgatory? No soul has ever told me so. It is the mother of God who comes. Once I asked a poor soul if she could go to look for a soul I had been asked to find out about. She replied, no, it is the mother of mercy who tells us about it. Also, the souls in heaven do not come to purgatory. On the other hand, the angels are there, St. Michael, and each soul has its guardian angel with it. Fantastic, the angels are with us. But what do the angels do in purgatory? They relieve suffering and provide comfort. The souls can even see them. Amazing! If this goes on, Maria, you're almost going to make me want to go to purgatory with all these stories of angels. <laughs> Now, another question. You know, many people today believe in reincarnation. What do the souls tell you concerning this subject? The souls say that God gives only one life. Only one life? But some would say that just one life is not enough to know God and to have the time to be really converted that it is not fair. All people have an interior faith, I mean in their conscience, even if they don't practice. They recognize God implicitly. Someone who does not believe that does not exist. Each soul has a conscience to recognize good and evil, a conscience given by God, an inner knowledge, in different degrees, of course, but each one knows how to discern good from evil. With this conscience, each soul can become blessed. What happens to people who have committed suicide? Have you ever been visited by these people? Up to now, I have never encountered the case of a suicide who was lost. This doesn't mean, of course, that that doesn't exist. But often, the souls tell me that the most guilty were those around them, when they were negligent or spread calumny. At this moment, I asked Maria if the soul regretted having committed suicide. She answered, yes. Often, suicide is due to illness. These souls do regret their act because, as they see things in the light of God, They understand instantly all the graces that were in store for them during the time remaining for them to live. And they do see this time which remained for them, sometimes months or years. And they also see all the souls they could have helped by offering the rest of their lives to God. In the end, 
what hurts them most is to see the good that they could have done but did not, because they shortened their lives. But when the cause is illness, the Lord takes this to account, of course. Maria, have you been visited by souls who have destroyed themselves by uh, drugs, overdosing, for example? Yes, but they are not lost. It all depends on the cause of their drug-taking, but they must suffer in purgatory. If I tell you, for example, that I suffer too much in my body, in my heart, that it's too hard for me to take, and that I wish to die, what can I do? This is very frequent. I would say, my God, I can offer this suffering to save souls. This gives renewed faith and courage. But no one says this anymore nowadays. We can also say that in doing this, the soul gains a great beatitude, a great happiness for heaven. In heaven, there are thousands of different types of happiness, but each one is a complete happiness. All desires are fulfilled. Each one knows he has deserved no more. Maria, I'd like to ask you, Have people from other religions, for example Jews, come to visit you? Yes, they are happy. Anyone who lives his faith well is happy, but it is through the Catholic faith that we gain the most for heaven. Maria, are sects or cults bad for the soul? Oh, sects are very, very evil. Everything must be done to bring people out of them. Are there priests in purgatory? There are many. They did not promote respect for the Eucharist, so faith overall suffers. They are often in purgatory for having neglected prayer, which has diminished their faith. But there are also many who have gone straight to heaven. Well, I guess so. What would you say then to a priest who really wants to live according to the heart of God? I would advise him to pray much to the Holy Spirit and to say his rosary every day. Maria, are there any children in purgatory? Yes, but purgatory for them is not very long or painful since they lack much discernment. I believe certain children have come to visit you. You are telling me the story of this little child, the youngest one you saw, a little girl of four. But tell me, Why was she in purgatory? Because she had received from her parents, as a Christmas present, a doll. She had a twin sister who had also received a doll. This little four-year-old girl had broken her doll, secretly. Knowing that no one was watching her, she went to put her the broken doll in the place of her sisters, swapping them knowing full well in her little heart that she was going to upset her little sister. And she knew very well, too, that it was a lie and an injustice. Because of this, the poor girl had to do purgatory. In fact, children often have a more tender conscience than adults. It is necessary above all with them to combat lying. They are very sensitive to truth or untruth. Maria, how can parents help to form the conscience of their children? Firstly, through good example. This is the most important. Then, through prayer. Parents must bless their children and instruct them well in the things of God. Very important. 
Have you been visited by souls who on earth practiced perversions? I'm thinking, for example, about the sexual domain. Yes, they are not lost, but they have much to suffer to be purified. For example, homosexuality, this truly comes from the evil one. What advice would you give then to all those people afflicted by homosexuality, suffering from this tendency? Pray a lot for the strength to turn away from it. They should above all pray to the Archangel Michael. He is the great fighter par excellence against the evil one. And people love him. And Maria, what are the attitudes of heart which can lead us to losing our soul for good? I mean, uh, going to hell. It is when the soul does not want to go towards God, when it actually says, I do not want to. Oh, thank you, Maria, for making this very clear. Here, I would like to mention something. I questioned Witzka on that, one of the visionaries in Medjugorje, who also told me that those who go to hell, and she's seen hell herself, are only those who decide to go there. It's not God who puts someone in hell. On the contrary, he's the savior. He begs the soul to welcome his mercy. And the sin against the Holy Spirit that Jesus speaks of and which cannot be forgiven is the absolute refusal of mercy and this in full awareness, full conscience. Pope John Paul II explained this very well in his letter on mercy. Here too, we can do so much with prayer for souls in danger of being lost. Maria, would you have a story illustrating this? One day, I was on a train and in my compartment, there was a man who didn't stop speaking evil of the church, of priests, even of God. I said to him, listen, You don't have the right to say all that. It's not good. He was furious at me. Afterwards, I arrived at my station. I got down from the train and I said to God, Lord, do not let this soul be lost. Years later, the soul of this man came to visit me. He told me that he had come very close to hell but he was saved simply by this prayer I had said at that moment. Wow, incredible. It's great to see that just one thought, one impulse of heart, a simple prayer for someone can prevent them from falling into hell. It is pride which leads to hell. Hell is to say no to God with stubbornness. Our prayers can inspire an act of humility in the dying, a single instant of humility, however small, and this can help them to avoid hell. Now, Maria, it is incredible all the same. How can one actually say no to God at the moment of death when one sees him? For example, a man once told me that he did not want to go to heaven. Why? Because God accepts injustice. I said to him that it was men, not God. He said, I hope that I do not meet God after my death or I will kill him with an axe. He had a deep hatred of God. God grants man free will. He wishes each one to have his free choice. 
God gives to everyone during his life on earth and at the hour of his death sufficient grace for conversion, even after a life spent in darkness. If one asks for forgiveness sincerely, of course one can be saved. Well, better so. Maria, Jesus said that it was difficult for a rich person to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Have you come across such cases? Yes, but if they do good works, works of charity, if they practice love, they can get there just like the poor. Praise God. But Maria, these days, do you still have visits from souls in purgatory? Yes, two or three times a week. Really? Now another question, please. What do you think of the practices of spiritism? For example, uh, seance, calling up the spirits of the departed, Ouija board and all that stuff. It's not good. It's always evil. It is the devil who makes the table move. Oh, that is so important to say this again and again. People really need to hear this because nowadays, more than ever, these absurd practices are increasing dangerously. And Maria, would you please tell us what is the difference between what you are living with the souls of the departed and those practices of spiritism? We are not supposed to summon up the souls. I don't try to get them to come. In spiritism, people try to call them forth. This distinction is quite clear, and we must take it very seriously. If people were only to believe one thing I have said, I would like it to be this. Those who engage in spiritism, moving tables, sciences, Ouija boards, and other practices of that kind, think that they are summoning up the souls of the dead. In reality, if there is some response to their call, it is always and without exception Satan and his angels who are answering. People who practice spiritism, diviners, mentals, witches, and so on, are doing something very dangerous for themselves and for those who come to them for advice. They are up to their necks in lies. It's forbidden, strictly forbidden to call up the dead. As for me, I have never done so, I do not do so, and I never will do so. When something appears to me, God alone permits it. Of course, Satan can imitate everything that comes from God, and he does. He can imitate the voice and the appearance of the dead. But every manifestation of any kind always comes from the evil one. Do not forget that Satan can even heal, but such healings never last. Well, good to know these days. Maria, have you personally ever been tricked by false apparitions? For example, um, by the devil disguising himself as a soul in purgatory to speak to you? Yes. Once a soul came to see me and said to me, do not accept the soul which is going to come after me because it's going to ask you for too much suffering which you will not be able to bear. You cannot do what it is going to ask. So I was troubled because I remembered what my parish priest had said to me, that I had to accept each soul with generosity 
and I was really troubled about whether or not to obey. So I said to myself, maybe it's a devil who is before me and not a soul in purgatory, the devil in disguise. I said to this soul, if you are the devil, go away. At once he gave out a loud scream and left. In fact, the soul who came after him was a soul who had real need of my help. It was very important for me to listen to this soul. Maria, when the devil appears, does holy water always make him leave? It disturbs him very much and he flees at once. Well, good to know. <laughs> Maria, you are now very well known, especially in Germany, Austria and throughout Europe. But at the beginning, you were very hidden, weren't you? How did this happen that overnight people recognized that your supernatural experience was authentic? It was when the souls asked me to tell their families to give back goods which had been acquired dishonestly. They saw that what I said was true. At this point, Maria related several testimonies. Several times souls came to find her saying, Go to my family in such and such village, which Maria actually did not know about, and tell my father, tell my son, my brother, to give back a certain property or amount of money which I acquired dishonestly. I will be delivered from purgatory when these goods are given back. And Maria would have all the details of the field or the exact amount of money or the property concerned. And the family would be amazed to discover that she knew all these details because sometimes even they did not know that these goods had been acquired dishonestly by their relative. Through this, Maria began to be very well known. Maria, now I would like to ask you a question that might sound a little indiscreet. You've done so much for the poor soul that surely when you die in your turn, thousands of souls will be your escort into heaven. I think that you certainly won't have to pass through purgatory yourself. I don't believe I will go straight to heaven without time in purgatory because I've had more light, more knowledge, and therefore my faults are more serious. But all the same, I hope that the souls will help me to rise to heaven. They'll definitely will. And Maria, do you enjoy this charism? Or is it something burdensome or difficult for you, all these requests from souls? No, I don't pay much attention to the difficulty, for I know I can help them so much. I can help many souls, and I'm very happy to do this. Obviously you're happy. Maria, I would like to thank you from the heart for this beautiful testimony. But please, permit me one last question, okay? Would you be so good as to tell us a few words about your life? Well, from when I was little, I wanted to enter a convent. But mother told me to wait until I was 20. I did not wish to get married. Mother had told me a good deal about the souls in purgatory, and already at school these souls helped me a lot. So I said to myself that I had to do everything for them. After school, I thought about entering a convent. I entered the Sisters of the Heart of Jesus, 
But they told me that my health was too poor to stay with them. Actually, as a child, I had had pneumonia and pleurisy. The superior had confirmed my religious vocation, but advised me to enter an easier order to wait for some years. I wanted above all a cloistered order and right away. But after two more attempts, the conclusion was the same. My health was too poor. So I said to myself that entering a convent was not God's will for me. I suffered mentally a great deal. I said to myself that the Lord had not shown me what he wanted of me. Up to the moment he entrusted me with this task for the souls in purgatory at the age of 25, he had made me wait eight years. At home, there were eight of us children. I worked on our farm, started at the age of 15. Then I went to Germany as a servant for a peasant family. Afterwards, I worked here at the farm in Sontag. From the age of 25, when the souls began to come, I had much to suffer for them. Now, I am much better physically. So, there you are. Oh, thank you so much, Maria. We learned a lot from you. That was beautiful. You're welcome. It was indeed a real pleasure for me to meet Maria Sima, a woman whose life is one of complete devotion. Each second, each hour of her life has a weight of eternity, not only for herself, but for so many souls, known or unknown, that she, in many different ways and with so much love, has helped deliver from purgatory and helped enjoy the eternal happiness of heaven. Well now, my dear brothers and sisters, I have a proposition for all. We could make the decision that none of us will ever go to purgatory. Is this okay with you? And this is really possible. We have everything in our hands to make it come true. I remember the words of St. John of the Cross. He says that divine providence always provides in every life the purification that is needed to allow us to go straight to heaven when we die. Divine providence put enough difficulties in our life, trials, sufferings, sicknesses, hardships, so that all these purifications may be enough to bring us straight to heaven, of course, if we accept them. And why doesn't this happen? Because we rebel. We do not welcome with love, with gratitude, this gift of trials in our lives. And we sin by rebelling, by not submitting, if you prefer. So let's ask the Lord for the grace to seize every single opportunity so that on the day of our death, he sees us shining with purity and beauty. Of course, if we decide on this, I do not say that the way will be easy. Since, let's remember this, the Lord never promised that the way would be easy, but our will be in peace and it will be a path of happiness. 
the Lord will be with us. Above all, and this is what I would like to stress here, let's make the most of the time which remains to us on earth, this time which is so precious, during which we are still given the chance to grow in love. This means to grow towards the glory to come and the beauty which is destined for us. Each minute we can still grow in love, but the souls in purgatory can no longer grow. Even the angels in heaven envy us for this power we have to grow each minute in love while we are on earth. Each little act of love we offer to the Lord, each little sacrifice or fast, each little privation or battle against our tendencies, our faults, each little forgiveness of our enemy, all the things we can offer of this sort will be later for us an ornament, a jewel, a real treasure for eternity. So, my dear ones, please, let us seize every opportunity to be as beautiful as God desires us to be ultimately. Because if we saw in its full light the splendor of a pure soul, of a soul that is purified, then we would cry for joy and wonder because of its beauty. A human soul is something of great splendor before God. This is why God desires us to be perfectly pure. And it's not by being faultless in our ways that we will become pure. No, it is through repentance for our sins and through humility only. You see, it's quite different. The saints are not faultless souls, but those who get up again and again each time they fall and ask forgiveness. It's very different. Therefore, let's make use of the wonderful means the Lord puts into our hands. Let's help the souls still waiting to possess God and who yearn because of this delay. Imagine you are in their place. They have already seen this splendid God and their desires with all their heart to be with Him. Also, we must not forget that the prayer of children has an immense power on the heart of God. So let's teach our children to pray. I remember a little girl to whom I had spoken about the poor souls. I said to her, Now you are going to pray for the souls of all the members of your family and friends who are already dead. Would you like to go before Jesus and ask him? She went before Jesus and five minutes later she returned and I asked her, What did you ask the Lord? She answered, I asked the Lord to deliver all the souls in purgatory. This answer struck me greatly and I realized I had been miserly in my request. But this little girl had understood straight away what to ask for. Children sense so much. They can obtain so much from the heart of God. Also, let's mention here retired people and all those who have free time. If they went to Mass often, even daily, what a treasure of grace they would store up, not only for themselves, but also for their deceased and for thousands of souls. 
the value of one single mass is immeasurable if we only realize that. Never forget, we have the power in our hands to help our brothers be saved together with Jesus our Savior and Redeemer. Isn't this wonderful? O Divine Heart of Jesus, grant me the grace always to live according to your will as much in the finest, most important moments of my life as in the difficult moments. Grant me always to be ready for my last hour. Give me the courage to give everything for your love, even my life if necessary. Jesus, through your most holy and painful passion. May your coming at the hour of my death find me awake, like a good servant, with true repentance, a good confession, fortified by the last sacraments. Lord, do not abandon me in my last struggle on this earth, when I will have to battle against Satan perhaps raging in fury. May your Holy Mother, the Mother of Mercy, and Saint Michael and all the angels help and protect me against all temptation at the hour I leave this world. May they strengthen and console me in my pain. Grant me, Lord, at that hour, a living faith, a firm trust, and ardent love and a great patience. Help me to commit myself fully, in all clarity of mind, into your hands, and to abandon myself like a little child to your holy peace. In your infinite goodness and your great mercy, O Jesus, remember me. <laughs> 